to see you all here this morning. I just want to, on a, on a lighter note, Matthew mentioned earlier that we're going to be moving into the building next door January 20th. And so I just wanted you all to see a couple of pictures. Uh, of, first of all, I'd like you all to see what the, Hank, would you show them the donut table? I know that's the most important thing that you all want to see. And uh, so I didn't get a chance to coordinate with Hank but before this service. It's, there's two guys in that picture. It's like the, yeah, there we go. So that's the donut table, so y'all will get to know that very well. And then uh, if you'd show them the foyer where the, sh- the, the, sh- the floors look really nice and polishy. That's a word, by the way. Um, should be right down from that picture. Yeah, when you walk in, y'all, this is going to be the main, the main entrance when you walk in. You'll see the floor shining. Hey, show the one where it's brighter. That's it. Yeah, that's concrete. Isn't that weird? Uh, which is absolutely awesome. They, uh, they got these little diamonds on the bottom of these machines, and they went in there and they polished them up. And, and so very cool. And if you'll show them the stage, what the stage looks like from the back, it's near that picture too. When you're at the back, you're looking front. This one's not com- quite complete yet, but uh, you'll get kind of an idea. Yeah, that's the stage right there. And uh, to, that's looking from, the, I guess, the, the sound booth. So it's coming along great. They're putting in carpet this week, uh, some, some really exciting things. So every day we go over there and walk around, and they always get mad at us because I never put on my helmet because I don't want to mess up my hair. And so anyway, so it looks, it looks great. So it's exciting and fun. So uh, January 20th, we'll be moving in there. They will be finished with the building. They're putting in carpet next week. They should be finished before December 30th, uh, which is really awesome. We're just waiting for chairs that, that we've ordered to come in, so we figured, you know, beanbags probably wouldn't cut it on the, the first uh, Sunday that we're in there, but we're hope, hoping that y'all are looking forward to that. Uh, on another note, uh, obviously this past week on Friday, there's just a huge tragedy that took place up in Connecticut. I came to church this morning, there's a lot of people that came, we're just that's obviously on everybody's mind. And I thought that it was, it's sort of uh, interesting to me how God works everything out. Today we are continuing our series on Christmas And our focus for today is that when Jesus came here, Jesus came to bring peace. And I and I I know that there is I really believe that within every person there is this innate desire or hunger for peace. And we desire for for things to go well. We desire for everything to you know, we want every little part of life to fit together so that we look at it and go, Okay, that makes sense. You know, this part of life makes sense to me. But then things like Friday happen, and it just absolutely it throws us for a loop, as it should. And so we look, and we're, we don't. We, and I would love to stand up here and say that there's some sort of answer that I could give you, and I, some way I could share with you about how this all fits together. I don't have an answer for that, and I don't understand these things. But I do believe that many of us are so so disturbed and bothered by it because we just have this desire deep inside. To have peace. And yet we live in a world that doesn't have much peace. And you know, we can fool ourselves for a period of time thinking that everything's great and everything's going well. But then stuff like this happens and we begin to understand, at least we admit occasionally, that this world is messed up. That this world is sick. And that's why Christmas has a message that is so important for us. Because what I discover as we look into our text is that God understands that this world is broken. That this world is in dire need of help. And we can fool ourselves all we want to, but in the end result, we are broken. And so God intervened into our world a couple thousand years ago 
with a message and an answer for our lives, and it's Jesus. And what we're going to see today is that when Jesus came here, he came here bringing peace. Now, that was appropriate for today because I believe that many of us, just deep down, we, we have a hurt inside of us because there is peace missing. Now, a couple thousand years ago, probably one of the greatest campaign ads took place of all time. And it didn't take place during the Super Bowls, not one of those commercials, did not take place on television. The greatest ad campaign that has ever taken place took place just outside of a little town called Bethlehem in a field. And there's a group of shepherds that were there, and we're told that angels showed up. And when the angels showed up, one of the angels spoke to the shepherds, And here's what he said in verse number 10 of our text today. He said, I proclaim to you the news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now the question is, why was this news that he was proclaiming, why was it such great news? Well, it's because he was announcing the birth of Jesus. And he was announcing that there was a cure for the brokenness of life. And that cure was the Son of God who came here in order to bring us peace. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look about how Christ came with peace for us. And so we're going to look in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. And as you look that up, I'll give you a little bit of background information here. What was going on during this time is that the people of Israel, they didn't have much peace. Uh, They had an occupying army in their nation. They had the Roman government there. They had a king that was supposed to represent them who really didn't. He was really a puppet king that was standing in place of of the Roman government. And so the people were, you know, they were desperate for freedom. Uh, On top of that, spiritually, God had not spoken to his people through a prophet in over 400 years. You know, if you look back in the Old Testament, especially in the latter part of the Old Testament where the prophets are, you'll see time and time again the prophets would say things like, Thus saith the Lord. Have you all heard that before? Say, Thus saith the Lord, then they'd have a message. Uh, when they said that, they were speaking a message that came from God. Well, for 400 years, they hadn't heard a message like this. And so they're looking around, they see their circumstance, they're like, God, where are you? You know, God, we don't see how this stuff that's happening in life, we don't see how it fits together. You know, it's not like some some nice little puzzle where we're able to get all the corner pieces on the outside and fill in the rest, and then we're able to explain life. I mean, they're frustrated because the pieces just aren't fitting together. And then it's here that God does something incredible. He sends some angels to announce that peace is coming. And what I want us to see is on that very first Christmas, I want us to see what we can discover about the peace that Christ brings. And the first thing that we can discover in our text today about the peace of Christ is his peace is for us. The peace that comes on Christmas, I want you to understand, it is applicable to your life today. Jesus came here for you to have peace. Now look with me in verse number 11. That's what the angel said. He said, today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was, before, was born for you in the city of David. Now, in our family, there are three very important dates uh, to Emily and myself. The three dates are September 22nd, February 25th, and February 16th. Very important days. You know those days are important to us? It's the, day our, the days our children were born. Very significant days. We think they should be national holidays. 
And so, you know, th- those three days absolutely changed our lives. But in the big picture of things, you all have, those of you who are parents, you have birthdays that are, birth dates that are special to you, right? I mean, they're important to you. And they're significant to you. Now, to me, I mean, I'm glad your kids are born. Not as important to me. Uh, because my kids are more important than your kids, right? I mean, you know, that's how we all feel. Now, in the big picture of things, though, in the worldwide perspective, the birth of my children and your children, it, they're just one of many births. Um, I looked up on the, uh, on the Internet where you find such accurate information. Uh, I looked up there. It said every day 500,000 children are born. Every day, 500,000. Now, we look at the birth of Jesus, and we have to say, well, why is December 25th such an important day? I mean, 500,000 people a day are born. Why is that birth date so important? Well, it's not because that, you know, it turned out to be Christmas Day. His birth is so important because of who he is. And if you go back to verse 11, if you have your Bible, look back in verse number 11. The angel, in the very first couple of words, makes mention of why this birth is, is important. He says, today a what was born? A Savior. A Savior is born. Now, these words to these shepherds, man, it would have been like, those words were like the flashing in light, Savior. That word Savior, it means rescuer. They were in need of being rescued. Remember, they're living under Roman rule. Now, in their minds, they're thinking, yes, somebody has come to give us freedom. Somebody's come to kick the Romans out of here. We're sick of them being around here. But there was a greater meaning here. The angel wasn't saying, hey, Jesus is coming. He's going to be your new president. He said, Jesus is coming in order to bring you victory over the power of sin. To rescue you, not from the Roman government, to rescue you from sin. And guys, we have to understand that sin is something all of us need to be rescued from. Sin is devastating in our relationship with God. It destroys peace. I really that the stuff we see happening in our world today is because of sin. You know, that is the ultimate answer. When sin entered into our world, it broke our relationship with God. And so we live, we live in a screwed up world because of sin. We need rescue from it. We need victory over sin. And I want you to know, sin doesn't just infect people on death row. You know? It's so easy when we say, oh, that guy, those are sinners. Sin doesn't just infect people who are mean. And people who are looking to throw other people under the bus. The Bible says that sin infects every one of us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who sinned? All of us. Who's infected by it? Every one of us. Who does that include? It includes your dear old, great, sweet grandmother. I don't care how good she is. Your granny is infected by sin. Billy Graham's infected by sin. The Pope is infected by sin. Sin has infected every one of us. And there is nothing on our own that we can do to remove the stain of sin. I can be super good. In my eyes, but it will not be enough to remove the stain because it's so deep. So what do I need? I need a rescuer. I need one who can come to remove that stain of sin. And that's why this message of Jesus is so important. The birth 
of Jesus is so important because he came here to deal with your sin and my sin to remove that stain. That is awesome news for us. Who's the birth of Jesus for? The angel said he came for all people. He made it more specific when he told the shepherds, he said, he has come for you. He's come for you. Now, it's interesting to me that that the very first people to receive the message of the birth of a Savior were the shepherds. And it's interesting to me on a couple of different levels. Uh, for one, it's interesting to me because, I mean, who are the last people that need to hear baby information? It's a group of guys. Isn't it strange? The first people to find out about the birth of a baby are a bunch of guys. Now, I, guys, I know you because I am one. And I know how we are with information like that. And I've said this before, you know, people will come along and say, oh, you know, like when somebody's born and one of the ladies in the church has a baby, and Emily will ask me, well, is it a boy or a girl? I'm usually good at getting that one. It was a boy. And where I'm not good is, well, how long was he? I'm like, what kind of a question? How long? How much does he weigh? I don't know. I mean, he's that big. He can't weigh a whole lot. So it's just interesting to me that God would give the message of the birth of the Savior of the world to guys. But it's also interesting to me on another level, it's because they're shepherds. Shepherds on the, uh, you know, the totem pole of respectability, they were not up here. They're down here. They were not really all that esteemed in, in Israeli society. And the reason why is, one, they're with animals all the time, so they didn't smell good. I mean, it's a necessary job, but you know, they weren't clean. Uh, they're, because they were with animals all the time, they were, they were religiously, ceremonially unclean. So they could not always participate in the religious festivals because they were, they were unclean. Somebody had to watch the sheep. Um, also, they traveled around all over the place. And so they were viewed as not being trustworthy. According to the ancient, ancient Jewish text, it said that shepherds' testimonies were not valid in a court of law. Isn't that interesting? And this is who got the message of peace. These guys right here. Now, why would God give, that, give them that message? And there's one thing that, or a couple of things I can glean from this, but one of the ones that really stuck out in my mind is I believe it was a way that God was showing people that the birth of his son was for all people. It was for the least of these as well as for the most of these. See, when Jesus came here, he, he has not come just for really good people. He did not come here for people who try really hard. He came here for all people. Now, some of us have a hard time accepting this, and so we, we try to justify ourselves or make ourselves right with God. And, you know, we, we work really hard and we, you know, we, we try out so many different things in order for God to look at us and say, hey, that's a really good guy. That at the end, we, we still have this sense of unfulfillment. You know, we get married and we think when we get married that, that marriage is going to be, you know, roses and bliss and happiness all the time. And then what happens? Day two, right? I mean, it's, just, it's like, whoa, this didn't turn out like I thought it was going to be. And we have children, and we love our kids, but there are times when they break our heart. There are times whenever they, they stray away from what we've taught them or we begin to look at them, we begin to say, oh my gosh, some of the traits they have are mine. And we become disappointed and then 
And then we begin to look at life and we begin to think, man, this life, it doesn't deliver. You guys, let me tell you something. God does. God delivers. God has delivered in that he provided us with hope and he provided us with the prince of peace in the midst of a world of of turmoil. And that's why the Christmas message is, is so important for us because it's a message for us. It's a message that applies to you and to me. But we are desperately sick and we know from this past Friday this world's sick. And we we need a cure. We're sick. We're looking for something that's going to make us feel better, right? You know, there's so many people in the in the church right now that are that have so much there's so much sickness going around. Yeah, there's the flu, there's strep throat, there's that have y'all any of y'all had that uh, upper respiratory junk? That's a joy. Um, I, I got that a few weeks ago uh, because Emily did not quarantine herself like she should have. And so I got all this junk, you know, and, and uh, what I've learned is that it's all about me. But uh, I got this, this junk, and you, know, you, you feel like if you've had it, it is awful. But then, you know, like a few days pass, and you start to feel a little bit better. But then what happens? You know, like when night comes, isn't it amazing? When it's time to go to bed, you like lay down, and what happens? It's just you get, I mean, I can't, you can't breathe. And I got congested, and my eyes were watering, and I was hacking, and I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. And so, you know, you would end up sleeping, like, for two hours, and then you wake up the next morning, you're just exhausted. You feel terrible. I was in need of rescue, like many of you have been. I, I found the answer, by the way. Uh, NyQuil PM is incredible. And so I got one, and I, I took two of them. And I remember I took two of them, and I immediately went into a coma. And then, you know, and then I, but I slept. And I don't know if it really helped me at all, but it did make me sleep. And so I, I woke up the next morning, and I began to get on that road to recovery. I was sick of being sick, and so I was looking for something. Guys, for many of us, you might be at the point where you are sick of being sick. And you are sick of not seeing how everything fits together. And you're tired of being disappointed. What's the answer? What's the cure? It's Christmas. It's Jesus. How's he the answer? Because he came here for you to bring peace. Now what I see about this peace, first of all, we, we can discover his peace is for us, but I, here's what else I want you to see about it. His peace isn't a secret. And Jesus came here, the Prince of Peace did not come here secretively, did not come here to hide from us. In verse 12, the angel said, this will be a sign for you and you will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a manger. Now, the idea of peace is something that really dominates our thoughts, whether you recognize it or not. It is something that we are constantly seeking after. We're always looking for something, you know, that's going to fill a void in our life. Always looking for something that's going to bring meaning and purpose in our lives. And so sometimes we think, especially at the beginning of the new year, you know, my life can have more power and meaning, you know, if I just get in shape. And so everybody starts going to the gym. And we work out and we lift weights and... And then you, you begin to look good. You're, you start saying, I feel better. I look good. But it doesn't do a whole lot for you on the inside. You know, because there's still turmoil there. And there's still heartache and pain. Or, or, or we search for peace thinking, well, if I, if I do really well in my work, and if I'm successful there, then I'm going to be satisfied. But then we begin to achieve things. And as time goes on, we begin to think, man, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more satisfaction in life than this. And, and peace seems so elusive. It's, it's like it's a, it's a riddle and it's impossible to solve. 
But I want you to know that, that peace is not a secret. And I, I think that's why I like verse number 12 so much. If you have your Bible, if you look in verse number 12, the angel lets, he lets the shepherds know that the Prince of Peace is coming, and he, he tells them that he can be found. If you, again, if you look in verse 12, it says, This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby. Who's Jesus? He's the Prince of Peace. Is he hiding from us? No, the angel came and said, You're going to find him. Now let me, let me give you some, some direction on how to find him. Now, I don't know how y'all are. I need good directions. Um, I, I, I'm not good. You know, I, I lose my keys all the time. And so I'll ask him, like, where, where are my keys? She'll say they're on the counter. And I go and I look and I can't find them. I can never find them. Now, I, I don't know if it's a trick you ladies do, but they're never there until they come over and then they appear. So the kind of directions that I need, and I, I need the kind of directions that are your keys are on the counter six inches to the right of the telephone under the paper, guys, right? They, they, oh, they're on the counter under 300 different things. And so, so I, but I need specific directions, and I can find stuff. But the, 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 uh, the shepherds receive specific instruction. Where, where can we find the Prince of Peace? Verse 12. He get, they told him where. He'll be in the city of David. Now, the city of David, the term city is a misnomer. Bethlehem was a very small town, less than 1,000 people. Some say about anywhere from four to 600 people lived in Bethlehem at this time. Small town. But at least they knew where to go. He's in the city of David. He's in Bethlehem. What was the other, the, the other one? He's going to be wearing, uh, you know, it's, my text says, uh, clothes that are, what, snug? Snuggly clothes. <laughs> okay. And he's going to be in a manger. Now, to me, that's like directions, like saying he's going to be, you're going to find the baby. He's going to be wearing baby clothes and in a crib. Oh, that's like what baby doesn't have clothes on and in the crib. Well, it's more specific than that. Anybody know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough. Now, I think sometimes we think that every baby was put in a feeding trough back in these days. They were not. This was weird. It's strange. She's put in a feeding trough. In a town of less than 1,000 people, how many people are actually going to be having babies? Probably not a ton, you know? Not unless it's, I don't know, not unless it's a, a town like our church where you guys have babies all the time. But not many people are going to be having babies. And if they do have babies, they're not going to be sticking them in feeding troughs. So what I glean from this is, is the angels telling them, this peace is not hidden from you. And I've given you a sign as to where you can find the Prince of Peace. Now I said, well, what about us today? Where can we find this Prince of Peace? You know where a great place to start is? This book. God gave us his word so that we could find him. He didn't give it to us so that we could you know, put it on our shelf and use it as a coaster. Because he gave us this book to discover him. 1 John 5.13 says, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John 14.6, Jesus lets us know in this book that he is the only way that we are going to be able to have a connection and a relationship with God. The peace of God, according to this book, can be found. Where to say that? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, God's not playing games with us. It's not a Where's Waldo competition here. 
He's saying, I came for peace. I came to bring peace. And I came for you to find it. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. All of you take my yoke upon you, upon me and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now here's my question. Do you desire peace? I mean, do you hunger for peace? Do you hunger for the Prince of Peace? Now, I think a lot of us like to say we do. But we don't want to give ourselves to the Prince of Peace. Because we want to have some semblance of we're in charge. We like the idea of thinking that we're in control. Now, here's what I'm discovering. If you are not hungering for peace and for God, he's something you can leave behind. You can take it or leave it. Do Do you hunger do you hunger for him? That's a question I have to ask myself. Do I hunger for God? There's a story about Socrates. And apparently there was a young man who came to him. And he said, I want to have great wisdom. Now Socrates knew who this young man was. And he, he found him. He thought he was a blowhard. And so he grabbed the young man. They walked across the street. They went into the, into the water, the ocean. Or the Aegean Sea, walked in chest deep. And he looked at the young man, he put his hands on his shoulders, and he just shoved him under. Held him under for about 15 seconds. He let him up. He said, what do you want? He said, oh, great Socrates, I want wisdom. And shoved him down again. Held him under for 30 seconds, let him back up. Said, what do you want? He said, I want to have all knowledge. Shoved him down again. Held him under for a minute. This kid's kicking around, struggling. Socrates lets him up and says, what do you want? He said, I want air. And Socrates told him, he said, whenever you desire knowledge as much as you desire air, you'll have knowledge. Guys, whenever we desire God as much as we desire air, it's then that we're going to discover God and his peace. Now, whenever I look in our text, there's some things I can discover about peace. This peace is for us. His peace is not a secret. He wants you to find it. And the last thing I want you to see is that his peace brings joy. That's why the angel said in verse number 14, he said, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. You know, Christmas is probably the most universally loved holiday that there is, right? Everybody loves Christmas. I mean, it doesn't, even if a person is not a follower of God, they never darken the door of a church, they don't mind singing, you know, a little town of Bethlehem. They don't mind silent night. Some of these people, even in their house, they'll have, you know, we have a star on top of the Christmas tree, or they'll have a nativity scene in their house. And there's a couple of reasons for this. I believe one of the reasons, it's cultural. You know, everybody, everybody celebrates Christmas. But I think there's another reason why. I think it's because everybody loves baby Jesus. I mean, who doesn't like baby Jesus? Talladega Nights. Who does he pray to? You have baby Jesus. We all like baby Jesus because he's, he's warm and cuddly, right? But there's a transition that occurs when you move from baby Jesus to King Jesus. Baby Jesus? We can hold baby Jesus. King Jesus? You know what he said to us? He said, come, follow me. Jesus didn't say, boy, I sure hope you guys like me. 
Jesus said, be obedient to me. Come follow me. He said, take up your cross and follow me. We like baby Jesus. We get scared of King Jesus. Now, a lot of us have given a bad rap to King Jesus. Some of us who are in religious circles, we can paint the picture that Jesus is going to come here to, to browbeat us into following him. That he's a killjoy. But we need to look and see what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about King Jesus? Let me, let me share with you a couple of things. One, it tells us that he's, he's just and he's righteous and he's holy. He doesn't mess with sin. He judges it. But he loves people. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He told us in John 10, 10, King Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's why the angel said in verse number 14, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. The angel was, was rejoicing because he knows, the angel knew that this world's broken. The angel knew that this world was in chaos. But he knew that Jesus came, not just as baby Jesus, he knew he was going to become King Jesus. Who is going to bring restoration to this world and to our lives. He's coming to bring peace. You know, peace doesn't mean a cessation of war. That word peace in our text, it means completeness. That word peace means wholeness, security, well-being. You looking for that? Can you imagine if we had that? If you have that, what do you have? You have peace. There's a Christian writer trying to explain the idea of peace. He said, I really can't get my hands around it until I watch my cat. So his cat's name's Clement. And he said, uh, Clement did not, he's an indoor cat, so hated being outside. So he put the cat outside and said he was terrified so the wind would blow, he would jump. Just could not, he could not stand being outside. Scared enough, always looking around. He said, but what's interesting, he said, we have kids and we'd bring Clement inside. And he said, Clement would walk and lie down right in the middle of the hallway where everybody walks. He said, we got kids. He said, Clement would fall asleep. And he said, I didn't know how, how in the world could he fall asleep like that. He said, because if we're walking by, it would been really easy for, for any of us to step on Clement and to crush him. He said, but Clement was able to lay there and rest peaceably because he knew we weren't going to do that. And he says, I looked at that cat. He said, it was almost like God was speaking to me saying, that's why I came here. He said, I came here for you to be able to lie down and find rest and peace in a world that is in chaos. Because you know that I'm with you. And you know that I care for you. And you know that in the big picture, that I have all things in my hands. As Romans 8.31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Jesus came here to give us rest. To give us peace. To give us joy. Even in the midst of all hell breaking loose around us. Guys, whenever I look at, I look at life, I look at us, and I say, you know what, I think people are hungry for peace. Now, the Prince of Peace came 2000, over 2,000 years ago. And I want us to understand that his peace is for us. 
His peace is not a secret. And I want us to understand that his peace brings joy, but it's only found in him. Jesus bids to you and me. He says, come, follow me. Not follow what you think is right or what's good in your eyes or what you want to do or what's convenient for you. Jesus just simply said, you come follow me. And you trust me. And what you'll see is that he brings peace.